You're listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast from Liberty Family Church. For more information about our church, head to the website, libertyfamilychurch.net.au. Have you ever been to a major sporting event or perhaps carols, a big carols event somewhere, maybe in Melbourne? If you have, you would know that logistically that is a big deal. There are lots and lots of things that event organisers have to do and security guards as well erect all these fences and bollards to guide people into their destination. And if you've ever been to Carols by Candlelight or maybe even one of their rehearsal nights, you'd know that as long as you get in one of those queues, and sometimes the queues are like going back and it takes like an hour to get in, as long as you jump in one of those queues, you are going to get to your destination. You're going to reach your destination. You're going to make it. With Carols by Candlelight, all roads lead to Rome, or, well, all roads lead to the Sydney Meyer Music Bowl. Anyway. And in our world today, many people hold to these kind of beliefs when it comes to eternity, when it comes to getting to heaven. Lots of people say things like, well, as, as long as you're a good person, as long as you are kind and compassionate and, not, and don't lead a selfish life, that, that's all you need. You, you'll surely be welcome to heaven if you're a good person. Others suggest that at their core, all world religions are essentially the same and all you really need to do is just follow any God, just be obedient to any God and sure, one day, you'll get through those pearly gates. Other people, and I think it's fair, isn't it? When at first glance, it's really a reasonable kind of thing to struggle with. Many people can't handle the idea that God can be a loving God and willingly allow people to choose a path that leads away from him and ultimately leads to separation from him, destruction for all eternity. And those people, they might be universalists. That's maybe a good term to use. They believe that ultimately, in the end, that God couldn't do that and therefore his love wins, as one famous author puts it, and all people will be ultimately saved because God is loving and he couldn't possibly let anyone choose to be eternally separated from him. Now, These ideas naturally in our world today are held to quite firmly. Many people hold to these ideas as being true. However, according to Jesus, none of these ideas are actually valid. None of these ideas are actually true. None of these popular beliefs about heaven and about eternal life are accurate. In fact, As we're going to see as we continue to step through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount this morning, according to Jesus, there are actually only two paths in life. There are actually only two paths that any of us can take in life. One path, it leads straight to eternal life and relationship forever with God. And the other one leads away from God to eternal separation and ultimately destruction. Now, naturally, we all want to be on the best possible path that we could be on, don't we? Whether we're an atheist, whether we're a seeker, a skeptic, or a Christian, we all want to be on a path that leads to life, life now and life forevermore, I'm sure. Wouldn't you agree? Even if we wouldn't consider ourselves Christian right now, we all want to be on a path that would be best 
for us for the long term, a path that would cause us to lead rich, fulfilling, vibrant lives now. And, and if this is true, as Christians believe, as Jesus says, if there is an eternal life, a life beyond this world, then we would want to enjoy and make the most of that next life too, I'm sure. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to explore what Jesus teaches about eternity, about heaven, by exploring his teaching in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 to 14, where he makes these bold and pretty confronting statements. Here's what he says. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Let's pray as we open God's word together this morning and invite God to really guide us and speak to us about these important things because ultimately these are matters of life and they're matters of death. They are super important. So let's invite God to really guide us and speak to us as I share what he lays on my heart to share this morning. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are so faithful, that you are so good and you are so loving, Lord. And we just praise you, Lord, that your heart is to see every single one of us walk on your path that leads to life, life now and life in abundance. So God, as we look at this and, and look forward to uh, eternal life and, and what that means and what that looks like and basically the path in which to get there, God, we pray that you would move on our hearts, that you would guide us, that you would encourage us to do exactly what Jesus calls us to do in today's passage. So Lord, have your way, we pray. Holy Spirit, move on our hearts. Speak to each of us. God, if we're seeking, we don't yet know you personally, God, I pray that you would reveal yourself to people this morning. So Jesus, we thank you that you are trustworthy, that we can rely on you. And so, Lord, we choose to listen to your word today and allow you to speak to us. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. So at this point in his Sermon on the Mount, or as some scholars, some people who've done lots of study into Jesus' amazing sermon suggest, back when he started on the Golden Rule, when he introduced that the other week, when we looked at that, Jesus begins this process of bringing his sermon to a close. And like any good preacher, he takes his time, doesn't he? He, he takes a while to kind of land the plane and bring it to an end. And Jesus starts concluding his sermon and speaking about what life looks like in the kingdom, what it looks like to live as sons and daughters in God's family, as citizens in his kingdom, his superior kingdom of love and joy and peace by providing four basic warnings. Jesus provides four basic warnings and they're four pretty confronting warnings if we look at them. And all the warnings that Jesus goes on to share in Matthew chapter 7 are designed to challenge us. They're designed to challenge us and to get us to really think deeply and to consider where it is that we stand in when it comes to Jesus' teaching. To think hard and, and actually make up our minds. To, I guess to paraphrase what the great C.S. Lewis says in his classic book, 
mere Christianity. Each of us have to decide ultimately whether we see Jesus as being merely a good teacher, just a, just a good person, a great teacher who taught great ethical, moral standards, or whether we actually see him to be and believe in faith that he is who he says he is. Jesus Christ, the very Son of God, God in the flesh. And that's ultimately the choice that Jesus puts before every person who ever has set foot and ever will set foot on the earth. And that is what Jesus is putting before all of us to consider and make. You know, it's no coincidence that at the very end of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, at the end of providing four warnings, he, we find this passage. This is how it ends. Matthew chapter 7, verse 28 to 29. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. The crowds were astonished at his teaching. As we know, and, and maybe we've known this from personal experience, as we've gone on our faith journey, getting to know God, getting to grow more in his character, you know, it's one thing to be astonished at Jesus' teaching, and it's another thing altogether to base our very lives and our, our outworkings and the way we live life on the basis of his teaching, isn't it? It's another thing altogether to live lives that are sold out for Jesus Christ. John MacArthur, a pastor from the US, he comments on this in one of his sermons and these comments are really worth looking at. Here's what he says. Jesus doesn't want bouquets for the ethics of his sermon. He doesn't want kudos for the spiritual insights in his sermon. And he isn't offering a one day a week experience for those who want to be spiritual. This sermon demands a choice, an absolute choice, and a choice that renders finality, a choice that leads to a fixed forever in eternity. I really think John MacArthur is spot on in what he says here. Everything that Jesus has said from the very start of his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, all the way through to this point now, leads naturally leads to the need for every single person to make a choice. Every single person to make a choice. We can be astonished by his teaching, for sure. I am. Are you? I'm sure we are. It's, it's incredible. Jesus' teaching is profound. But, but, Jesus ultimately calls all of us to move beyond astonishment to make a choice. Ultimately, Jesus is challenging us to consider this challenging question. Am I for Jesus or am I against him? Jesus didn't leave his hearers then and he doesn't leave us listening to his words today any wriggle room at all. Jesus brings this truth home for every single one of us. We've all been given free will, the ability to choose, the ability to, to make choices in life and the decisions we make in our lives have consequences. And according to Jesus, they have consequences for life now and they have consequences for eternal life, for the one to come. So let's start to work our way through today's passage and what Jesus shares in verses 13 and 14 in more detail. In verse 13, Jesus says, Enter by the narrow gate, 
For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. The wide path or way, as many scholars have said, is actually the path that every single one of us start out on in life. We all start on this path. It's not like we start in life, you know, completely perfect and uh, sinless, and then all of a sudden we get to a point and we go at the crossroads. Which way do we go, left or right? No, we start on this path. From the moment we're born into the world, by default, as a consequence of Adam and Eve's original sin and the broken world in which we live, we actually all enter through the gate that is wide and we start walking on the way that is easy, the way that ultimately leads to destruction. Now, we don't like to hear this. I'm sure even me saying that hasn't given you a sense of peace right now, I'm sure. We don't like to think about it, but Jesus says... It's true. This is where we're at. Every single woman, man, and child start out in life walking on the way that ultimately one day, if not there to be a deviation from the path, will lead to destruction. So what is this way? How could we sum up this way in one word? Self. Ultimately, the way that is easy is the way of self. Self-sufficiency, self-righteousness, and self-centeredness. Think about it. By default, we are wired. Our world tells us. This is the culture in which we live, the individualistic culture where we've got it all together, we can handle everything. We live in a world and By default, our sinful self, ultimately, our sinful natural state says that we can handle anything. There's nothing in life that you can't handle yourself, that we can be completely self-sufficient and that we can look after ourselves and meet all of our own needs. We don't need anyone else. And ultimately, it comes down to we don't actually need God. We've got it. We can handle it. We don't need any help at all. By default, we are wired to live self-righteous lives. You know, lives where we justify ourselves. We, we quantify or we justify our worth and our value through what we can do or what we can offer. Maybe how physically good-looking we are. You only got to look at Instagram to see the, 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 I guess, trap that that is. Or how competent we are in our home or our workplace. Or maybe how much money we have or how altruistic we are with the money that we've got in blessing others and trying to be a good moral citizen in society. By default, as I shared the other week, we're all naturally stuck on the well-worn, self-centered, self-focused path that, according to Jesus, ultimately leads to destruction. So how then do we get off this terrible path? How can we, as Jesus says, he offers that glimmer of hope at the start of verse 13, how can we enter through the narrow gate and get on the way or the road that leads to life? How can we do that? We do that by giving up our rights, by laying down our lives, by actually denying ourselves denying ourselves and choosing to trust in and follow in life Jesus Christ. 
You see, when Jesus refers to the narrow gate, he is actually talking about himself. He's actually talking about himself. Jesus is the narrow gate through whom every single person must enter if they want to embrace life in life now and ultimately eternal life forevermore. In John chapter 14 and verse 6, Jesus makes this amazing, absolute declaration about who he is. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We don't like these kind of definitive truth, truth statements, do we? We're, we're good at relative truth. Or that, if that's true for you, then that's great because this is my truth and there's no sort of absolute truths. But that's not how it is, according to Jesus. Jesus says there are absolute truths. And this is what we believe as Christians, that these words of Jesus are 100% trustworthy, 100% true. He makes the definitive truth statement and he says this so clearly. I am the way, Jesus says. I am the life. I am the truth. Enter through me and you can enjoy eternal relationship with my Father and also enjoy relationship with my Father in life right now. In Acts 4.12, Luke describes the saving role that Jesus plays as our narrow gate. Luke writes, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Further on in Matthew chapter 10, verses 34 to 39, Jesus uses a pretty confronting metaphor to explain the price that each of us need to be willing to pay if we want to follow him, if we're willing to actually enter through the narrow gate and follow him and offer him our very lives. Let's read Matthew chapter 10 and verses 38 to 39. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. To walk on the way, to be free to live life in the truth, to find and enjoy life now and forevermore, Jesus calls us to actually give up everything, to give up our rights, to give up our very lives. When Jesus talks about taking up our cross here, taking up our cross, he's actually talking about an ancient torture device. A cross was a horrible thing in ancient society. If you found yourself carrying a cross, your end was nigh. You knew that your end was about to come. And if you were carrying this cross, you would know that you were carrying the very thing that soon you would be nailed to, you would be roped to, you would be hung up on and left to hang and die a slow and agonizing death. That's what you knew that you, if you were carrying that kind of tool. And in the ancient world, historians will tell you that this is true. Many ancient prisoners were forced to carry their own cross. They were forced by their captors to carry the very thing that would be the thing that would cause their death. That is a pretty confronting and strong metaphor that Jesus chooses to use here, isn't it? And you see, here's the point that Jesus is actually making. If we want to follow him, 
we actually need to die. If we want to follow Jesus, truly follow him, truly walk through the narrow gate and then walk on the road that leads to life, it involves dying to self. If we want to enter through the narrow gate, find the path that leads to life, we need to recognize our desperate need for Jesus and put to death self in our lives. I like how my ESV study Bible puts it. Crucifixion is a shocking metaphor for discipleship. A disciple must deny himself, die to self-will, take up his cross, embrace God's will no matter the cost, and follow Christ. That's what it takes. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. Denying ourselves and embracing God's will, no matter the cost, is what it takes to follow Christ and to find life, life in this earthly existence in which we're existing at this point in time and life in eternity with God in heaven one day. And so this is why Jesus says what he does in Matthew 7, verses 13 to 14. This is why the gate is described as being narrow. This is why the way that leads to life is described as being hard. This is why those who actually enter through the gate and embrace life are few. Because it's tough. Because it's costly. Sometimes we make it seem just rosy when it comes, or come to Jesus and you'll be saved, but it's not true. Come to Jesus and you need to die. You need to die to self. You need to live for God and die to your self-desires and your self-focus and all that sort of thing. It's incredibly costly, the call to discipleship. And the gate is narrow because unlike what many think in society, there ain't multiple ways to get to the destination. There aren't, like at Carol's in um, you know, the park, you know, there aren't multiple paths that lead in to your destination. They don't all go to the same place. Only through Jesus, Jesus says. He makes it clear. Can anyone receive salvation and enter eternity with God? And the way is hard and few actually find it in life because it takes genuine humility, doesn't it? It takes genuine humility and faith to deny ourselves and take up our cross. That's why the path to life is the path less tread and that's why more people stay on the wide and the easy path. Now, here's the good news in all of this because we need good news and this is really good news. God wants every single one of us to get off the path that leads to destruction. God desires that none of us would perish, but he wants to see all of us saved and welcomed into his family as sons and daughters of God. He wants to take us off this well-worn path and he longs that all of us would make that decision, make the choice to enter through the narrow gate, to trust in Jesus and find life through him. That is God's heart for every single one of us. You know, if you're listening to this today and maybe you've never really thought about Jesus being anything but a good teacher, just a a good prophet from 2,000 years ago who did good things, made some pretty big claims, but ultimately you haven't really thought of him as being who he actually says he is, the only way to be made right with God, the narrow gate through whom everyone must enter, if to embrace life now and life for eternity. Can I encourage you to recognize that Jesus is not merely, as C.S. Lewis says, Jesus isn't merely a good teacher. 
He hasn't actually left that option open to us. Jesus is God in the flesh, and he is the way and the truth and the life. And ultimately, if you're seeking today, if you're on the search for spiritual truths, hear this, he is who you are looking for. He is who your heart is craving and desires to be freed and introduced to through faith in him. And you know, Jesus loves you. He wants you passionately. He desires nothing more than to see you step off that path that leads to destruction and to embrace his life and freedom in him through trusting in him. And if that's you today, can I encourage you, make today the day where you choose to come to Jesus and approach him simply and boldly in faith and invite him to receive you and ask him to be your Lord and your Saviour asking him for forgiveness from your sins. He will be quick to welcome you in and to draw you close to himself and to introduce you to intimate relationship with his father. Will you do that today? Maybe you're a Christian and you're listening to this and you're kind of going like I have many times over the journey. You've kind of like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm really struggling. I'm, I'm struggling to live this life of self-denial, of saying no to self and to laying down my rights for the cause, for for God's glory, ultimately, for killing that tendency towards self-everything. Well, if that's you today, I want to pray with you today that you would be able to come to a place where you can humbly approach God, that you can recognize your desperate need for Jesus afresh, and that you would allow Holy Spirit to really empower you and strengthen you to continue to faithfully follow Jesus and to lay down your life for his glory. How about we pray for all of those things as we close? Jesus, we are just so in awe of you. We praise you, Jesus, that you are the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus, that you are the narrow gate through which every woman, child, and man must enter if they want to embrace the fullness of life, the abundant life now, and the abundant life forevermore in relationship with you. And so, Jesus, we thank you that you do give us free will, Lord, because we we actually get to make choices in life. And that is a real blessing because if we were just kind of like lemmings or something where we just went on the one path and everyone just did that, there wouldn't be much joy in life. But we give you thanks, Jesus, that you have given us free will. And while you have given us free will, Jesus, you encourage us to make wise choices, to make those foundational choices for our lives. And so God, today, as we've been looking at choosing to walk through the gate of faith in Jesus and choosing to continue to walk on that road that is less tread, the way that is hard, God, I pray that you would help all of us to do that, no matter where we're at. If we're an atheist, Lord, and we're feeling something in our heart of you stirring us right now, God, I pray that we would make that choice. Lord, if we're a Christian and we're just struggling with that, that constant sort of battle of trying to put to death self in our lives, God, I pray that you would help us to do that so that we can continue on that road less tread for your glory. So Holy Spirit, we pray and ask humbly that you would help each and every one of us, and you would minister powerfully to each and every one of us, that you would speak to us by your Spirit so that we would be encouraged and so that we would either make the choice to embrace life now and for eternity or we would be strengthened to continue to faithfully walk the road less tread 
in life for your glory now and ultimately forevermore, that one day we would look forward to the eternal reward of being in your presence. So Jesus, we praise you and we thank you that it is only through you that any of us can reach our destination of being with God in heaven for eternity. So we praise you. We thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.